You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 20 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. The Uber photographer extraordinaire, Gina Militia. How are you, Gina, this week? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Good. What's new? What have you been doing? What have you been shooting? What have I been shooting? Well, we got to uh, hang out yesterday. Yes. We? we did. And how exciting was what I made you do with me? <laughs> did the grocery shopping. <laughs> and treadmill shopping. <laughs> and treadmill shopping, yes. <laughs> but uh, before we get on to treadmill shopping, because listeners, Gina has now become obsessed with getting a treadmill desk. Yeah. But before we get onto that, because once she starts, she's never going to stop. What mm-hmm. have you been up to work-wise this week, Gina? What have you all been right, shooting? So this week was all about like getting out and doing social stuff. So I was uh, rubbing shoulders with the uh, the gorgeous and the A-list, and yeah, so doing uh, social stuff. And... Do you mean you were shooting events? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, clocked up the Ks, walking. You, you do a lot of walking when you're shooting events. You should get a Fitbit so that you can measure yourself. I've done. I did, I think I, I did a, a, an awards show one, and I did, I, I couldn't believe how much I'd walked during that event. It's it's amazing. But mm. my feet always hurt, so I know I'd, I've been on my feet a long time by the end of the day. So, you know, that was lots of fun. Mm. What have you been doing? You've been like you came down to see me, and but you what you weren't just here to see me. What else were of you doing? Of course, I was there just to see you. So uh, I live in Sydney, and Gina lives in Melbourne. So I headed down to Melbourne this week, and it was great um, to host a few events. One was about how technology is disrupting journalism, and how there's so much more imagery involved not not only in photography, but in video, and of all things, in gifs or GIFs, if some people like to say GIFs, uh-huh. uh, but I say GIFs. And um, so it was really interesting to host a panel discussion on that. But then, of course, that I went and took Gina grocery shopping and treadmill <laughs> shopping. So this is probably a good time to tell everyone, why are you obsessed with the treadmill desk now? So basically, I've been doing a lot of reading about how bad sitting is for you. And so there's been a transition in my life as a photographer in in the last few years, ever since digital, basically, that we have to do a lot more sitting. So you might be up on your feet all day, but then you'll come back to the office and you might spend like, you know, six hours uh, editing, retouching, and, and sometimes I could spend like a good two days or three solid days editing images, retouching, and that's that's not uncommon for a photographer. And so I've been finding out that like this is really unhealthy yes. and it's not enough to just um, say, okay, well, I've been sitting for eight hours, I'll now go to the gym for an hour and I've done my hour of activity. There's still all these uh, like health, there's dangers to your health, like it gives you like a foggy brain, poor circuit circulations, sore backs, hips, soggy abs, Val. Soggy abs. Yeah. Your abs can be soggy. Soggy because you sit all day and they're not being supported properly. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's just not great. So there's been all this research that says like that not only is a standing desk great, but to have like a a treadmill desk is even better. So I want one. And you were saying, just buy one ready made. Mm. Nah. I'm going to MacGyver one. Of course you're going to MacGyver one. <laughs> so I dragged you out uh, yesterday to test a few and the sales guy was good, wasn't he? Yeah, he was good. At he knew his stuff. And so brand new, they're quite expensive. Yes. So I'm going to do what what I love to do is buy secondhand because mm. that makes it more exciting. And then I'll buy the secondhand, 
uh, treadmill and then I'm going to build a desk around MacGyver something together so it'll be just how I like it. So for those times when I'm perhaps just uh, editing or answering emails or things like that or just on the phone, I can be on my treadmill. Well, you definitely need to show us a photo of whatever you MacGyver as your treadmill desk. Yeah, once it's finished, for sure. All right. Well, let's move on to this week's topic, which I'm really excited about. And it's about how to get your camera off auto. And, you know, because we all get these whiz-bang cameras and sometimes it can take ages before we start really venturing into, you know, what does the M thing mean? What does the um, P thing mean? What does AV mean? And we kind of know because we've read what it means, but it takes a while before we really get it. Um, And I know, you know, the first time I did it, I studied the books and I, I, you know, did my experiments, but it did actually take some time. But what you reckon is that we can... You can help uh-huh. our listeners get off auto mode and shoot in manual in 30 minutes. Is that right? Uh-huh. All right, let's go. Let's go. Do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what I'm going to cover today is why you should shoot in manual mode. I mean, yes. why bother? Why do you need to? I'm going to tell you what all the buttons mean and when to use them. And I'm going to explain Gina style, the difference between aperture, ISO and shutter speed. Okay. okay, so if you're looking for a scientific explanation, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Okay. okay, but there are many be, other books that you can you can <laughs> read about you, that you, or podcasts. If you're a, somehow, I'd, if you're a science head and you've stumbled on this accidentally, you're in for a big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but stay with. And if you're uh, a professional or a bit more advanced in your photography, this is still worth listening to because this is going to be something that wouldn't it be great if you can explain all of this to colleagues, family members, and anyone who's got a camera how to shoot in manual mode. It's just mm. a good skill to have, but be able to explain it this way and pass it on so everyone else can shoot in manual mode too. All right then, so go on, why shoot in manual mode? Apart right. from making yourself feel good that you're shooting in manual mode. <laughs> so we all, um, like I've heard lots, you've gone out and you bought the whiz-bang camera. Lots of people, they go out and they buy the whiz-bang camera and, and then they think, well, it does everything for me. Why am I going to bother mm. shooting in manual mode? Mm. It does, it tells, it, it does everything. Okay. Yes. And so, but the problem is that um, the camera is programmed and the factory settings of all the different settings were programmed by someone else, by someone else's standards yes. as to how certain shoots, shots should look. And I believe that the guy that did it is someone called Hans. <laughs> and Hans works at the camera factory. Right, okay? yes. We've and so there is Hans. a generic yeah. guy called Hans who he's the guy that, that selects how every shot and what is the best average of everything. So Hans mm. has selected where you want to focus because there's focus points in your camera. But yes. he tells you that it's this corner, that corner, that corner, and the middle, mm. right? What about if you want to focus somewhere else, okay? Did you know, Valerie, that Hans wrote the first 50 shades of grey? <laughs> <laughs> Hans mm-hmm. was ahead of his time because that's what the camera meter, when the camera um, sets something as being correct, as being correctly exposed, the camera meter is always exposing to a mid-grey. That's what it wants. Now, what if you want a skin tone that's not mid-grey or average? Because when you expose a skin tone correctly, in my opinion, it's too dark. There's too much detail. I like my skin tones to be brighter by up to a stop to a stop and a half because I think people look better that way. So Hans couldn't see properly? Well, Hans was thinking grey. Hans was, Hans was thinking 50 shades of grey. Yeah, That's right. where he was, ahead of his time. Just okay. imagine if he had have thought 50 shades of mid-grey, the ultimate photography love story. Yes. Okay? The other thing is like how blurry a background do you want? Well, Hans has determined that mm. by the factory settings in the camera. Yes, he has. Right? He has. And what if you want to create a silhouette? Yeah. And just let's just go to that word silhouette. Mm-hmm. 
that is one word that I can put into anything that I write and spell check just goes, nah, I've got no idea. We can't even give you a suggestion that's anywhere close whenever I write that word silhouette. It's just like I have a blind spot for that word. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, there's like Hans's settings aren't programmed for that. So basically when you uh, – if you choose in, to shoot in manual mode, you have – far more creative control right. over everything that you do. So we, that's you, why you, you can you can generate a blurry background. You can generate mm. a sharp background. You can make a silhouette if you want to. Yes, you can do all those things and, and you can pick where you want to focus and do all the things. You, you basically, you become the creator. Yeah, you're in charge. All right, so you've got on uh, most of the entry-level cameras, you've got uh, pictures down one side of the dial. And so what do they all mean? So, well, basically, uh, for some, there's like a standard that you'll have. You'll have for uh, like a a picture of someone's head. That's a portrait setting. So that's designed uh, to produce... backgrounds that are a little bit out of focus and uh, to give you a flattering portrait. Then you've got an icon that's a landscaped and that's designed uh, to give you a sharp focus throughout the image, like a good landscape photo. Sometimes you'll have an image of a a close-up of like a flower, which will mean close-up. And then uh, on this one, we've also got someone running, which means like that's for sports. So that's uh, to, to shoot people uh, running. And so you'll g- it'll give you a faster shutter speed so that you can freeze movement. And then there's night portraits, which might have a star and, and uh, like a dark background that gives you a higher ISO so that you can shoot at night. Okay. So they're all your different um, picture icons. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and then on the other side, you've got all these letters. Yes. What do they all mean? So you've got P for program, A for aperture or AV on Canon. So aperture priority is A on Nikon and it's also called AV on Canon. Shutter priority is S on Nikon and other cameras and TV on Canon. And manual mode is M across the board. All All right. right. And then you've got A for auto. So basically, when you shoot A, auto, the camera does everything for you. It picks uh, the best white balance, the ISO, shutter speed, aperture, and based on a predetermined formula that Hans specially developed for the camera. So depending on your camera, if your auto uh, icon may be A, it may actually be the word auto, it may be a little green square, Um, So, but you obviously know what what your auto image is. Yep. P is program mode. So what's program mode? It sets the aperture and shutter speed and then you select the ISO and white balance. Okay. So this is not a great choice um, if you really want to be serious about taking control because you can't set the shutter speed. So you, you, you can't make sure that your picture's not blurry. Okay, and and you can't uh, select the aperture to control the depth of field, right? So why would my, so, some people use program mode? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> it's the it's the pretend mode. It's like yeah. the one that makes P you for pretend. pretend. It's the pretend mode. So you get to you get to select ISO and white balance. Yep, I'm shooting a bit manual now, but the camera's doing the rest. So it's kind of auto. Okay, in pretend. Okay. Then you've got uh, aperture priority mode. Again, that's AV on Canon because Canon like to differentiate themselves a little bit. So aperture priority is like um, when you first learned to ride a bike, Val, did you go without training wheels or with training wheels? With. With. So it's just like you still get the feeling of riding a bike, but it's there. The the training wheels are there to support you. So – it's actually a really popular mode and it's used by uh, lots of enthusiasts as well as a lot of pro photographers will shoot in aperture priority um, because it lets you sh- set the aperture or the F-so, F-stop and also the ISO and then the camera is going to Hans will select the shutter speed right. so, so, so your image is color- correctly exposed. So it's giving you um, 
a lot of creative control over how you want your shot to look, but it's keeping those little training wheels there for you uh, just to keep you uh, on the right track so you don't, you're not completely left out there on your own. So this is a good little sort of gateway entry mode. Right into uh, shooting manual. So if you're, you know, a really a little bit uh, uncertain about shooting manual mode, this would be a good place to start, aperture okay. priority. Good good place to have you to, to start with the training wheels. Got it. Exactly. And then you've got shutter priority, yes. S, yes, on most, or TV on a cam and camera. And I can only describe this as, like, one of the most useless of camera modes. <laughs> it's like... The egg tray in a fridge. Who uses that? <laughs> I've got eggs in the egg tray. In Did you put fridge. your eggs in the egg tray? Well, they're what? there at the moment. But how do you know when they expire? You just keep them in the coming carton. <laughs> That's bizarre. Right. Right. So why do they have it then? I don't know. I guess people, there are times when you'd want to uh, control your shutter speed over everything else. Like if you want to make things blurry or show or show movement, or you've got uh, rapidly changing light conditions, because I'm trying to think of what that might be. So maybe if it's like sunny, cloudy, sunny, cloudy, sunny, cloudy, mm. right? Um, then maybe, and you just want to control that, then that's what you do it and, for. And, and rely on Hans to, to, to sort the rest down. Exactly. Right. All right. Okay. And then finally, you've got manual mode. Mm-hmm. And manual mode means that you are in the driver's seat and control everything. Okay. Yes. Now, this one is where people go, oh, my God, this is so scary because I've got to think of, like, my ISO. I've got to think of aperture. I've got to think of shutter speed. It's too many things to remember. But I can remember when I first started learning how to drive manual in a car, yeah. Belle. And yes. it's like at the first time I did it, I never thought I was ever going. I just thought there is so many things to remember. So you've got to put the clutch in at a certain time when you engage the gears. And so the first few times, and it's like I remember teaching my kids as well. There was, you know, lots of tears, lots of, lots of bunny hopping, yeah. lots of times when I thought my clutch was going to fall out of the car. Yeah. But then what happens is, the more you do it, eventually there's just one day where it just all clicks into place because yes. you get to that point where you've practiced enough and you and it just becomes as second nature. Yep. And that's what happens when you have a go and and move to manual mode and the more you do it, the easier it gets and the more you're going to love your photos and the, just the more that um, you're going to be able to achieve with your photography. I have a question. Do you think people should jump straight into manual mode or should they go with the training wheels and go with aperture priority first? I would probably start with aperture priority and play on that for a little while and get your confidence up. I think it's a good idea because then you get a sense of how you want your photo to look and then you'll get an idea of like, because the camera's choosing your shutter speed and you're going to be reviewing your photos and see, oh, hang on a minute, the camera chose like a shutter speed that was probably uh, too slow in this instance. And then you, it gets you thinking about what you can do to, uh, you know, to improve on that shot next time. Mm. All right. right. Okay. Fantastic. So. Now I want to explain to you aperture, ISO, and shutter speed simplified, Gina style. Gina style, yeah. All right. Now I can get really complicated here and bring in the exposure triangle, right? but I'm not going to. I'm going to save that for another show. I just want to basically introduce you to what aperture, ISO, and shutter speed mean individually they are they do have a relationship to each other but it is like another complicated level I don't think I need to uh, give you at this point and it just confuses everything so I think if you get if everyone gets their head around these three basic things you're well on your way to shooting and understanding in manual mode okay right got it all right so basically uh, we've got aperture all right, and aperture controls how much, in a basic Gina style definition, right, how much uh, of your image is going to be blurry or sharp. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so you select your f-stop or aperture based on how you want your shot to look. Okay, now Val, if you're shooting Rexy. Yes, my cat. Okay, yes. Uh, how do you want that shot to look? Because I know, I know the style of photography that you love. So let me ex- explain a scenario to me of like, if you're doing a tight portrait of Rexy, how do you want it to look? If it's just his face, <clears throat> I would want definitely his eyes and his nose, his pink nose with a black outline to be in focus, but maybe just the edges of his big mane may, might not necessarily be in focus and certainly the background would not. Okay, so you don't want your image to be sharp all the way through. No. Okay? now Because I want him to look a bit ethereal. Exactly, and you want him to really uh, separate from the background. And this particularly is the case when if you're doing a portrait of someone, say if you were taking a portrait of Rexy on the windowsill, and in the background, like, you might have, like, a a pole or um, someone else's house that you don't particularly like, or just, like, stuff in the guff in the background. Mm -hmm. You don't want that sharp. Definitely not. tracks from Rexy's beautiful face. Yes. You want that thrown out of focus. So ideally, when you're shooting a portrait, uh, in this in this case, you want to throw your background out of focus. So you want to be selecting an aperture that's going to allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're doing, say, a landscape shot, Val, a beautiful shot of the beach, mm-hmm. um, you don't necessarily want part of that to be out of focus because like the really magnificent landscape photos that you see are sharp from the from the foreground all the way through to the background everything in the image is entirely sharp and the photographer Ansel Adams he was a master at this and it's like you look at his his images and it's like everything is sharp and it's like just incredible to look at so if you were doing landscapes then you would want to have an aperture that allows you to have everything super sharp. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if I was shooting food like Nutella on a piece of bread, okay, maybe to make that food look really interesting, again, I'd want like part of the Nutella on the bread to be in focus, and then I'd want to throw my background out of focus. Yep. If I was photographing products, then for the sake of the clients or whoever you were photographing, Four, they insist that everything is sharp. You've yes. got to see the label. You've got to see the the, the the bottle. Everything needs to be sharp. And then, Val, if you were shooting a group of people, say there were six people and they were sort of staggered three deep in a shot, if you use the technique that you used with Rexy and focused on the person in the front's eyes, everyone else in the group is going to be out of focus. Yes. All right. Now, this is where Hans's settings fall over okay. because if you just went, okay, I'm doing a portrait shoot of five people, I'm going to put it on Hans's setting of portrait, the head, then Hans has programmed it to be in focus on the front person and then the other people in the back of the group are going to be out of focus, so you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Okay, so this is where it comes in handy to be able to override the, the classic settings. So the best way... What's really confusing about Aperture is it's, I don't think it's that intuitive and it's not that easy to understand the difference between what each each setting means. So if what, you which, want a which background, setting, what, what setting well, do you mean? Aperture of 2.8, right. what's the difference between 2.8, yeah. wide open, as opposed to F22, mm-hmm. which is the, uh, the, the, the smallest or the narrowest aperture, right? F2.8 is going to give you the blurriest background yes. on a lens. If you've got a lens that opens to 2.8, some of them go to 1.2 is the widest mine will go. And uh, 22 or 32, I think, is the narrowest they would go. Now, it actually, it's really hard to remember which way to go because it doesn't make sense naturally. Mm-hmm. So the way I remember... It so, is counterintuitive I, because the bigger, the bigger the number 
you would yeah. think the bigger the 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 lens opens up, but in fact it's the other way around. And in case there are some newbies who are who are listening, um, just in case you haven't got to the bit in the manual that explains the aperture, your aperture, of course, is when you think about um, the the pupil of your eye, and when there's a lot of light, your pupil is actually smaller, and when there's less light, your pupil actually gets bigger. So think of the lens of your camera like the pupil of your eye and when it's 2.8 as Gina mentioned it's actually a bigger circle and when it's 20 22 it's actually a smaller circle letting light in yep and the other way I like to remember it Val is you imagine that the numbers or f-stops right represent how many parts of the photo are going to be sharp that's great a lot of parts of the photo to be sharp, you want a higher number. If you That's want great. a few of the parts of the photo to be sharp, you want a lower number. So F2.8 is going to give you just a small area of the photo as compared to F22, mm. the entire photo is going to be sharp. And F8, which is in the middle, somewhere in the middle, you know, ha- half of that, depending yep. on the lens you use. Okay? I love this. Just as a basic basic Gina style rule of thumb just so you don't get confused at the start smaller the number smaller the number of areas sharp larger the number larger the number of areas sharp. I absolutely love this because all these years I've I've known what aperture is and I've certainly known that if you've got uh, 2.8 or for a lower aperture there are fewer things that are going to be sharp but I've actually had to step it through you know each step of the process to to come to that conclusion and just that Gina explanation of the lower the number the fewer things are going to be sharp that's just great Yay. <laughs> if it, okay. And if it's F22, 22 things are going to be sharp. 22 things are in I love sharp. it. It's just a really good way to remember it. So, I love it. So if you just want to shoot a portrait and you just want the eye sharp, you go for F2.8. Mm. If you're shooting a group of people, more people in the portrait, more places need to be sharp, you go for a higher aperture or f-stop aperture f-stop same thing they mean the same thing if you want a landscape you want it sharp all the way through you go for a higher f-stop 8 to 22 Mm. okay if you want to do something lifestyle like you know my how i do my bike shots i use a uh, a small aperture like 2.8 or 4 i focus on something in the foreground and then i throw my background a little bit out of focus great love it okay Next uh, Gina-style explanation is a <laughs> shutter speed, which is basically how long the shutter speed is how long the shutter remains open. Yep. The shutter speed controls motion. So a fast shutter speed freezes action like uh, sport something, or kids running around or people dancing. So, you know, v- Valerie, you talked about your whirling, der- what were the whirling, whirling dervishes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you wanted to create motion yeah. in those. So to create that, you would choose a slower shutter speed, mm-hmm. shows the movement, a faster shutter speed will freeze it exactly. There's a little um, uh, image that I've put in the show notes that, that displays that uh, with a, like a Canon uh, lens cap that shows the difference between a fast shutter speed and a slow shutter speed. Okay, so um, if you uh, say, have you ever seen those beautiful landscapes and the water looks really silky? Yes, I have one in my lounge room. Right. So that's created by using a slow shutter speed on a tripod. So everything that's not going to move like the rocks and the sand or the mountains in the shot will be static. And then the moving water, because the the photographer has uh, selected a a slow shutter speed, uh, it it makes the water look like it's really silky because it's, it's created that movement. Yes. Okay. So, and, and also you can have like something like a, a car, you know, if you, if you do like night or twilight shots of a, a freeway and you've got the cars going really fast, yep. you get those light streaks if mm. you choose a, a slow shutter speed. So that's a good way to do those. And then the other way, you freeze the motion if you've got people running or jumping around, fast shutter speed to f- freeze motion. Okay. So my explanation of how to remember what shutter speed you'd use to do what is you 
you think of the shutter speed as a car's speedo in kilometers or miles per hour, depending on where you live, okay? So imagine that shutter speed is a speedo. The higher the number, the faster the speed. Yes. Okay? Yes. And the faster the speed, the more you're going to freeze motion. Yep, good. Okay? Yep. So something's going really fast, you'll freeze it at one two fifty of a second or faster. So like really high, high shutter speed will give you like if you've got something say like uh, water, like um, I love doing shots of like um, people are, like being sprayed with water or in rain and all of that. And if I ever want to freeze the water droplets, then I'll shoot at a really fast shutter speed and it'll yep. freeze every single water droplet. Or if I want something to go really slow, Slow, under a 30th of a second will give you, start to give you movement, okay? And I know for me that if I'm hand-holding a camera, I'm not going to get, uh, I will get camera shake under a 60th of a second. Some people can hold their camera steady yeah. up to a 15th of a second. This is something that you should experiment with. Yeah. Okay. okay? Good. All right. ISO, how sensitive to light your file is. Right. Okay? Basically, so the higher the ISO number, the more light sensitive your file. So you think of the ISO mm. as number of lights or light bulbs in your frame. So 100 ISO is like 100 light bulbs, 800 ISO, 800 light bulbs. That's a good number. The more light bulbs in, in your image, the brighter your shot's going to be. So just a good little way to remember it, all right? Mm. Okay, and just um, just as a, a note, a side note on that, the higher the ISO, mm. the more noise you're going to get in your image. What do you so, mean by noise? So noise is like distortion. It's like the image starts to look grainy. You get more. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's like so in the old style when we were looking at film, you get more. It it just like the the image starts to look rougher. Mm -hmm. Okay, so more grain and noise and distortion in your images. So when you're selecting your ISO, mm -hmm. it, as a rule of thumb, try and shoot on as low an ISO as the particular scenario will allow you. So if it's day and it's bright light or I'm shooting in a studio with flash uh, or I have a tripod, I'm going to shoot at around 100 ISO, which is usually about the lowest, 160, I think, on a Nikon, okay? Mm -hmm. If it's nighttime or I'm inside or it's a little bit darker, I'm going to shoot on a higher ISO. So, like, daylight is around 100 to 400. If I'm shooting at nighttime, I'll shoot between or indoors 400 to 1600, okay? Yep. Yep. And extreme low light situations – I might go 1,600 or higher. Wow. Like what's an example of an extreme low light situation? Um, like it's pitch black. There's no light. Okay. <laughs> when might you be shooting in that kind of situation? Or, um, so uh, I've been on uh, film sets where they shoot in the middle of the night and it's a night scene and okay, it's like yep. under a street light where the action's all happening and that's what I have to try and get. And so I'll crank it up. I think I'm in two and a half thousand ISO to right. get that. Right. Okay. And, and um, it's so flexible these days because you're, you can choose your ISO on your camera, whereas in the past you actually had to have that film on hand. You actually have to have 400 ISO film in your bag or 1600 ISO film in your bag. So, and if you had loaded the film and we're already shooting and realized, oh my God, it's actually not that dark. I should have had a different ISO. You kind of, you know, stuffed up the rest of that film. Whereas now you can just change it on your camera instantly, can't you? Exactly. So it's like there's there's no excuses to not even just to play around. So now every camera is different and every camera is – so like I know with my high-end camera that I use, I'm not going to take it over 400 because I know that over 400 – it's going to be like I don't like the look of it. It's got too much noise because it's a high-end camera and it's it's actually developed uh, to shoot at a uh, hundred to four hundred ISO. That's where it works its best. Mm. Whereas the 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 uh, my second body, the five D Mark III, is unbelievably good at higher ISO. So I know I can push that 
you know, I'm quite comfortable shooting around 800, 1200. I still get funny going over that because it's, it's a sort of hangover from the film days. But I know that it's really good at, at the higher ISOs and it's not going to have the amount of noise that, say, you know, my higher end camera does. Mm. So it's worthwhile testing and, and seeing uh, what they all look like so that you know what your camera's limitations are. So when you say it's worthwhile testing, do you think that, let's say, I've got a daylight shoot and I, you know, gonna, uh, I, I should try it, a series of shots on 100 and then try a series of shots, the same series of shots on 200, then try the same series of shots on 400? Is that what you're saying by testing? or I think between 1 and 400, you're absolutely fine on any camera. But it's like I think more move inside and maybe do, say, a window-lit portrait of someone indoors where you know the light's going to be much, much lower and test it out on do 100, 400, 800, 16 and have a look at the difference and keep the, the, the actual settings exactly the same. So the lighting never changes and have a look at what it looks like and particularly look at uh, what the blacks look like and, and how much noise you get and how much detail and, and what the skin tone looks like because you, when you start to see the noise in the skin tone, it starts to look really dirty and grainy is the only way I can describe it. So just check it out and, it's, and then you know, okay, my camera is pretty good at 1200. I, I know that if I'm inside, I can crank it up to that and I'll be pretty safe and I will still get a really nice skin tone if that's what you're after or Rexy's fur, there'll still be a lot of detail and I'll be happy with that. Because so many people actually pay attention to aperture, they pay attention to shutter speed and they actually don't pay attention to ISO because their instinct in terms of thinking about, you know, how many light bulbs there are or whatever, is to yeah. increase the aperture or, yeah. or, or, or decrease the shutter speed. Uh, they never really think of ISO, so it's worthwhile considering, isn't it? It's worthwhile considering, and I'm going to uh, explain why it's really right. important in the, in the next section um, and, and why you need to have that, that, that sort of uh, ISO fallback. Mm. Uh, in your arsenal, okay? okay? So to bring it all together now, so basically we're on manual mode, okay? So the first thing we do is the first thing that happens is you select your ISO based on how much light is available, yes. okay? So then you select your aperture based on how you want your image to look. How much you want it to be sharp or not. Exactly. Yeah. How many points of focus, you know, how, how blurry you want your background to be, basically. Yeah. All right. And three, select your shutter speed based on whether you want to freeze motion or show movement. Mm. Okay. So if you're shooting a portrait, then you would be sticking. I know that my rule of thumb for portraits is I shoot 1125th or higher. And that allows me to, uh, shoot the portrait and the person can uh, maybe move or laugh or do something like that mm. and I'm still going to freeze the motion, okay? Mm. If you start to drop a little bit low and they react or something grey happens and it's like, you know, with portraits, it's not always the portrait that I'm going through. Sometimes I'm going for that moment between frames where they've laughed yeah. off camera and it's a real shame if you set your um, shutter speed too slow You'll lose that because they'll move too fast and it'll be uh, blurry. What if? Why wouldn't you set it then at one one thousandth or something like that? That's too fast. Well, that's going to affect everything else. So mm -hmm. you could, but this is a conversation that we need to have when we're going to talk about the uh, uh, the uh, exposure triangle that okay. down the track. So right. like, we'll just stick to we'll park that one. <laughs> We'll park it. Okay. Got <laughs> Go it. on head valve. But Sorry. That's cool. It's a good question. <laughs> so basically uh, try and work. And if you're shooting at a 1,000 val, mm. I would say that your ISO is set really high to give you that sort of uh, shutter speed. Yes, yes. In most situations. Mm. All right. So for a portrait, I think I'm generally, I know that I'm generally working around 1, 125th, 250th of a second. Okay. I, I don't go any higher than that. I don't need to. All right. So 
they're the three things. You got you with me so far? Got it. Great. Love so, it. Okay. So number so, one, select your ISO based on how much light is available. Then yep. number two, select your aperture depending on how much you want in focus, uh, you know, sharp or not so sharp. And yep. then select your shutter. Number three, select your shutter speed based on whether you want a freeze motion or show movement. Okay. I'm a good student, huh? Yes, you are. Okay. <laughs> Go uh, on. Now. The next thing you need that's going to assist you, because how do we now get everything at the right settings? Yeah. This is the thing. (laughs) Yes. Because it's like, it's all well and good to say, this is what you do, but then you do all of that and then the photo's five stops underexposed or five stops overexposed. All right. So when you look inside your camera valve, okay, there's this little screen that you see that's got a zero and some squares and a plus one and then some more squares and a plus two. Some have got a plus three. And then on the other side, it's got a minus one, a minus two and a minus three. That's right. Okay. Now on a Canon, the plus one is, and the plus two and plus three are set to the right. On a Nikon, the plus one and the plus two are set to the left. Okay. Now, basically that's that's the camera's meter. Yeah, I don't know why it's that they, they have to be so different. Oh my god! Why Hans couldn't just set up this universal system? Oh, okay. But it happens all the time. It's like we have Microsoft and Mac. Why can't we just have one computer? Hans and if is... they share their resources, imagine if Nikon and Canon got together and they could build the best camera in the world. Hans worked for Canon, and his evil twin worked for Nikon. Do you think that's the case? Possibly, yeah. Right. So basically, I think the plus one to the right makes more sense for me. But, but anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that is your camera's meter. And I've also, in the show notes, I've uh, put an, an, an image of those in so that you can have a look. That's what you see. Now, yes. when it's set to zero, there's a, like a little line that if you move your shutter speed, that line will change. So when you've set up your shot, so again, I'm going to be, we've got Rexy set up outside, yep. okay, and he is, you are going to photograph his face up close, yep. you're going to focus on his eyes, yep. you want the background out of focus, yep. okay, so we bring the camera up and we focus on his eyes, and the camera gives us a light reading that says uh, minus two. Okay. All right, because you've got a, you've set your shutter speed to 500, mm-hmm. you've got your ISO set to 100, like I asked you. Yep. And you've got an aperture at f4 because that's yep. what your lens will give you. Okay. Yep. So now we need to, your image, the, the light meter is telling you that your image is underexposed. Yes. So basically the easiest and best way to explain it is all you need to do is change your shutter speed until you get your, that line between zero and plus one. Right. Halfway between because I like to overexpose slightly. Now, if you want to be like a Fifty Shades of Grey Nazi about it, then go to zero. Okay. All right? Mm-hmm. So keep it on zero, and that means that everything is absolutely spot on. Yes. By Hans's standard, so you can get the same exposure. If you like your skin tones to be a little bit overexposed and a little bit cleaner, which yep. I think they should be, then have your line between zero and plus one. I'm definitely going to be between zero and plus one because I like the blown out look. Slightly blown out. Slightly blown out. Slightly blown out look. I just think that zero is a bit heavy-handed for my liking, okay? And so basically you're just going to keep changing. And so in this instance you'll need to uh, just keep keep, uh, lowering your shutter speed until you get it to zero. Yes. And let's just say that you set it and it was like a really bright sunny day outside and you got plus two. Yep. increase your shutter yep. speed until you got it down to between zero and one. So that's the basic, simplest exp- explanation. Now, they're all related to each other, Val. And yes. again, it's another conversation that I promise I will do uh, the exposure triangle explained, Gina style, in a future episode. 
but this is the basic way to get uh, into uh, shooting manual mode. I love it. I love it. I just think it's um, it's so straightforward. I love the uh, Gina explanations and I like the final tip of when you are looking through the meter and you want to get it to ideally between zero and one or zero for the purists, yeah. just make sure that the, you're not fiddling with the, the trouble is people fiddle with every single button. No. And they go, okay, we'll change the aperture and then I'll change the eyes. They change, they, they just try all of the things, just change the shutter speed. Just change the shutter speed. Okay. Now, in case, now remember you're doing a portrait and I said that to handhold, I know that I need to be over a 60th of a second, ideally one one twenty fifth. Okay. Um, if by any, if, if, if by chance you find that you can't get one one twenty fifth because there's not enough light, mm. crank That's... up your ISO. Right. Okay. Turn more lights on. Yep. So go if you're at a hundred, go to four hundred. Yep. Okay. Okay. But but leave your aperture. Don't change it. Yep. Got All it. Right? Okay. Because I actually come across that situation a lot where because my, my hands are just shaky <laughs> as well yeah. and yeah. I've gone to you know the, I've put I've gone to the shutter speed where it's basically not going to take the photo otherwise yeah okay. yeah so so just as a as a rule of thumb don't shoot under one one twenty fifth yeah. and you shoot, and and if you're very very shaky lots of coffee <laughs> then don't shoot under one one two fifty so okay. So basically, just to sum all that up, Val, mm. okay, mm. why shoot in manual? Why do we need to shoot in manual? Because it gives you creative control over all your images, okay? Yep. And then all the buttons, you've got your picture icons, are the auto factory settings determined by Hans, okay? You have zero control over those, yep. okay? And that's good to use when you first pull the camera out of the box, go for it, play with all of them, take the photos, get a sense of how the camera works, but then move on to the next one. P is for pretend. <laughs> get to set the ISO and the white balance. It's just a pretend setting, but knock yourself out. Use it when you get you start it. S or TV is kind of useless. You get to control the shutter speed. Okay. M, manual complete control okay yep then aperture how blurry you want the background yep shutter speed controls movement and iso how sensitive to light your file will be excellent brilliant there you go how to get your camera off auto and onto manual mode in in, in you know gina language love it minutes yeah exactly <laughs> Exactly. I'm gonna um, uh, I'm gonna make sure my partner listens to this podcast. He should be listening to it anyway, of course. But huh? uh, he's now um, commandeered uh, the the camera and has decided huh? that every Sunday uh, yep. that we're now going to go out and do photo essays, and we're going to go through. Uh, every letter of the alphabet and go to a suburb. Um, and for Americans, that's, you know, like a county or an area or whatever, um, yeah. a postcode. Um, we're going to go to a suburb in the first week starting with A, the second week starting with B, third week starting with C and so on and take photos of that suburb and get to know that suburb and, right. um, and uh, create little photo essays of each suburb. What a great idea. Hmm. Right. <laughs> a challenge. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get to Z, but <laughs> or Z as Americans say, but uh, I'll let you know. <laughs> Excellent. That was awesome. So thank you for that, Gina. Did that's that's um very straightforward. Love it. And I would love to hear what you think about it as well. So listeners, please do email us if you have um some feedback. We'd love to hear from you or some questions that you'd like uh, us to answer. Email news at ginamilitia.com. And, of course, you can find the show notes at uh, ginamilitia.com. And do check out Gina's um, blog 
and also sign up for her newsletter, which is full of awesome uh, MacGyvered <laughs> tips and <laughs> techniques and uh, more of, you know, uh, Gina's explanation in Gina language. <laughs> exactly. And if you have a friend who's a newbie, then maybe share this episode with them and uh, introduce them to uh, yeah. Mastering Manual Mode. Love it. So what are you doing this week, Gina, before we speak again? Okay. So I've got uh, our big awards uh, show this week in Australia, the big TV awards. So that's a big, big shoot for me and I'll be shooting through the night. And then I'm... So that's uh, the Logies. It's basically the Australian equivalent of the Emmys. Yes, and so that'll be uh, a lot of fun, a long night, and then I'm um, up to Sydney for a week. So, uh, and please to big, tell big, tell yeah, our listeners who you will be <laughs> shooting while you're in Sydney. All right, so I'm doing a uh, a big lifestyle shoot for uh, a uh, an apartment development, and uh, one of the. <laughs> One of the uh, the talent in one of the shots will be Rexy the cat, <laughs> <laughs> because I had a bit of creative control over some of the shots, and I thought, well, I have to get Rexy into one of those shots. So uh, one of the things we did yesterday, Val, <laughs> we went uh, uh, prop shopping, didn't we? We and I'll did. Let, let you tell the listeners what. <laughs> We bought Rex a diamond collar. Well, it's not real diamonds. It's probably, it's diamantes. Uh, but so that he... real diamond collar though, didn't you, Val? Yeah, yes. It looks like something out of it. You know, Kim Kardashian would wear or something. So I uh, can't wait for the shoot. Rex is very excited, and uh, I'm, I'll make sure, listeners. I um. I take some behind-the-scenes shots yeah, and share them on Instagram. But in the meantime, you can find me on social media Val- at Valerie Koo on both Instagram and Twitter. Gina, we can find you at? At Gina Militia on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to check out the So You Want to Be a Photographer Google Plus page, which is uh, has been awesome. We're getting lots of lots of great discussions happen there. So come, please, and uh, and and join join us there. And what are we going to do for hashtag Gina Challenge this week? I think manual mode. It has to be. So, like, I, I want to see your like I want to see your creativity. So, like, hashtag creative. Okay, so hashtag creative, <clears throat> not hashtag creative, hashtag Gina challenge, but the theme yep. is shoot, theme any, is shoot anything yep. in manual mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can't wait to have a look. But uh, until next time, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll chat to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.